Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. We strive to lead people to be God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. Our goal is to tear down the walls that have kept people away from church to help them build a relationship with God, our Creator. We are so glad you're tuning in today. We hope and pray that this leads you to Jesus and His path for your life. So, without further ado, here is today's teaching. We are in week two of our At The Movies series. And so once a year, we kind of take a second to use some popular movies as a diving platform to get into the more important thing, the truth of God's word. Just a fun way to mix things up on Sunday. I'm going to tell stories anyway, so we might as well use a movie that we all recognize. Um, And so we were using a throwback decade, the 90s. And I was thinking about this week, and I was like, the 90s were like... Just like last week, I think. It feels like, but it turns out it's been almost 20 years since the 90s was over. So yeah, that happened. Um, the 90s, though, gave us a lot of great things, uh, some also not great things. But one thing that the 90s gave us that still lives on today is reality TV. Before the 90s, it was just like, you know, fake TV. Now we have fake reality on TV. But it was a thing, and it's lived on. I mean, and it's like today, you know what we call that? just normal TV. Like everything is reality TV. It's, I mean, think about all the different genres of reality TV. There's all these competition shows, uh, you know, the singing shows, the, the American Idol and The Voice and all the other ones I don't care about. And, you know, there's, there's dancing ones. And then there's the other ones that are kind of like um, the semi-staged real life stuff. So The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Any fans? I don't, don't get me started, but good for you. Um, and <laughs> And so there's those kind of shows. There's the other ones that are like, oh, this is this one. I don't think we think of these as reality TV shows, but they totally are. Every show on HGTV, it really is. Like, it's like th- this person is shopping for a house. Let's follow them with a camera. This person needs to figure out what color to paint their bathroom. Let's talk about that for half an hour. It's a reality TV show. Probably the juggernaut of reality television, though, um, over the last, you know, since the 90s, has probably been the show Duck Dynasty. That show is like, it took over, it got into Walmart, and things went crazy, this is what's wild. I think that show ended either the last year or the year before that. It's ended. The show is over. It's in reruns now. Can you imagine a moment where you would want someone to watch reruns of your life? Yeah, this is what's happening to that family. And so, like, it's, it's crazy, but it's become something that we really, we like it because there's part of it, we look at it and that, we're like, I can see myself in that. Or maybe you're like, I'm glad that's not me. I totally can't see myself in that. Um, so, all right. That's a setup because every week I love to just kind of create a little bit of tension, like as if you really, really care. Before we reveal the movie for the series, uh, this week's movie is it's a good one. It's a really good one. I hope a lot of you have actually seen it. Uh, it's one that got some really good critical acclaim. Last week we looked at a, a 90s superstar, Will Smith. We checked out Men in Black. We talked a little about what it means to be aliens and strangers on this world and like we should be different. And so there was just kind of an end on that. This week, we're going to look at another superstar. Um, He made some of my favorite movies in the 90s. His name is Jim Carrey. Uh, Jim, man, impressionist, comedian, actor. He's a painter. You've seen his paintings. He's an incredible painter. Um, Some of my favorites, Dumb and Dumber. Anybody? Uh, We've got got, uh, Ace Ventura, of course. The mask was kind of weird. Liar, liar. I'm not sure what the message there is. Um, But like, so, so, so cool. But then there were some serious roles, a few. And the one that really jumps out to me today as we get in and jump into another 90s movie to see where we can uh, dive into God's truth is this one. Just check out the trailer that played in theaters. It's the Truman Show! Yeah! Good morning! Good morning! Oh, 
going in case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Morning, Spencer. How's it going? What if you were watched every moment of your life? How many cameras you got there in that town? 5,000. I believe Truman is the first child to have been legally adopted by a corporation. That's correct. Brilliant. What if everyone you knew was pretending? Hi, honey. Look what I got at the checkout. Dishwasher safe. <laughs> That's amazing. What if your world was make-believe? Cue the sun. While the world he inhabits is a counterfeit. I'm not allowed to talk to you. That's how I look. On your type. There's nothing fake about Truman himself. What if you didn't know it? Until now. A lot of strange things have been happening. Stand by ring cam. Is he looking at us? Do you think he knows? I think I'm mixed up in something. Something big. We accept the reality with which we're presented. Everybody's pretending Truman. Get out of here. Come and find me. Truman? Truman! Truman! Anything happen? No. Mm-hmm. It's like the whole world revolves around me. Everybody seems to be in on it. I'm going away for a while. You may ask yourself, how did I get here? Find him. Truman, where are you going? You can tell us. How do we stop him? Give me some lightning. Is that the best you can do? I like your pen. I was wondering that myself. Jim Carrey, The Truman Show. Watch what happens. All right. Now, one thing I got to note is that it's totally a 90s trailer. Like, it just looked like a 90s movie. Um, the idea for this movie literally came from a Twilight Zone episode. Remember that show? Just weird science fiction show. And there's a lot of what ifs. What if the world was like this? And so the idea is what if there was a guy who didn't realize that his entire life was a TV show? And he was the only person that was not in on it. And so this is Truman. Uh, this guy Truman, I won't ruin the movie for you if you haven't seen it, but man, he, he's literally grown up in a giant bubble that was constructed the size of a city, and everyone inside the city is an actor, and there's 5,000 cameras, and every shot is called by a director who lives in a big ball in the sky. And, and, and he even controls the weather, and when the sun comes up, and when the, that thing that fell from the sky, that was a star. And like, I think it said like Sirius on it or something. Like It was a star, and it fell, and he was like, what is this? And, and he starts to become wise to it. And so as he starts to dig in, he, he does the same thing that, that we all do. He's just asking questions about life. Like, what is my purpose? And how, what am I doing here? And what should I be doing with myself? And as he looks around, he realizes, like, everything's just too perfect. And then the movie continues as he goes on a search for his identity, an identity that had been stolen from him that he's trying to fight for and claim back. So, man, so many great themes in this movie. Like, you could go on and on. You could talk about freedom. You could talk about truth. You could talk about integrity, uh, deception. Like, there's a lot of things that could go on from this movie. But today, as we shift gears and get into the Bible, the, the thing I want to talk about is something that was at the core of Truman's struggle. And I think it's something that is the core of almost everything that we do as humans, especially in our relationship with God. In a word, identity. Identity. Who am I? Um, Truman's identity had been stolen. He was legally adopted by a corporation, and he became the center of this, this big thing. And, and I don't think anyone had set out to hurt him on purpose, but this was the 30th season of The Truman Show. They started him as, like a, a, as when he was born. And everyone in the world is just watching his life go by, and he has no idea that the person and the life that he lives is not real. 
It's not real identity. The thing is, this is not just some science fiction concept. This battle for identity is actually the very thing that God came to the world in the form of Jesus to fight for. He came to live and die for us and raise from the dead for us so that we could understand our identity in him. And so let's talk about that. Uh, We're going to dive into the Bible this morning. We love to look to the Bible for God's most important truth. And so I invite you to grab a Bible. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians today. If you don't have a Bible, we've got free Bibles that we give away right out in the lobby. You're welcome to go grab one either right now or as you leave. I'll have the scripture on the screen behind me. But we're going to be in Ephesians, which is in the New Testament of the Bible, that last third of your Bible. And it's a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of Christians living in Ephesus, which is uh, in modern-day Turkey on the western coast. And so right there, Ephesians, and we'll be in chapter 1, very beginning. So you can go and flip over there. I want you to listen to what Paul writes to the Ephesian Christians. Um, This is a fairly long passage. We're going to read 14 verses, I think. And this is written in English, obviously, you'll be able to understand it. But when it was originally written, it was written in Greek. And it's crazy because this sentence is actually, this 14 verses is actually one Greek sentence. From what I understand, it is the longest sentence in the Bible. That's pretty cool. And if you've uh, you've ever like been so excited about something, like you just talk and talk and talk and you just don't come up for air, or maybe you've had a (laughs) two-year-old, you know, it's like, like this concept that Paul is teaching the Ephesian Christians about is one of those. He's like, I'm not, there's no time for a comma or a period, whatever. Like, this is like a one grammatically structured sentence. So check this out. We're going to break it up in English, though. Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 14. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. This in the one he loves and in him, this is all about Jesus, okay? So that's what those pronouns are about. Verse seven, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In him, in Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. (gasps) One sentence. (laughs) It's a lot. Okay, there's a lot in there. We could unpack so many different things. But I want you to notice something. If If you had your Bibles open, you can flip back, maybe underline some stuff. Nine times in that huge passage, there is this phrase or this concept used, in Christ or in him. And there's a reason for that. There's only one place that God wants us to find our identity, and that's in Christ. And so as you look through that whole passage, what Paul is doing essentially is telling you, 
this is what it means to know me. This is what it means to know God, to, to be loved by me, to be in my good graces. This is what it means. It'd be a great long passage to memorize. And you could begin to break down some of the nuances of all the different things he says there. Nine times in Christ. Do you remember the uh, Alice in Wonderland Disney cartoon back in the day? Uh, I got a picture up here. You remember this guy? Remember the caterpillar? Can you see him? Smoking his hookah. What's he doing? Don't do this at home, kids. He's like, what is this question he always asks? Who are you? Who are you? Apparently, um, this is a trippy book. I tried to read the book by Lewis Carroll, and this guy was on something. It's crazy. Uh, but Alice eats these magic mushrooms, and then she shrinks real small, and now she's like the size of a bug, and this caterpillar is huge. And he's like this philosopher, and he's like, ta- and the question he keeps asking is, Who are you? Today, I want to borrow the, ru- the, the words from the caterpillar and ask this question Who are you? you. When it comes to your identity, who are you? You know, we identify ourselves a lot of different ways. I think we we find our identity in a lot of different things. Like if you just were to, you know, force me to give an answer right now, I might say, me? Uh, Who am I? Uh, I'm a a dad. I'm a husband. Uh, I'm a a preacher. I'm a church planter. Like that's some things I do. I'm uh, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, big time. Can I just take a second? Football starts this week. Woo! Yeah. Biggest cheer of the day. Um, so excited. But like, who are, who are you? What do you find your identity in? There, there's so many different ways. Do you find your identif- identity in, in your job, your occupation, and your skill? Someone says, hey, what do you do? That's like, that's like the first question a lot of times. What do you do? Oh, I'm, I'm a mechanic. I'm a teacher. I work at this place or that place. This is, this is who I am. And for many of us, that's 100% true. Like, I wake up and go do that until it's time to go to sleep, and I come and sleep, and then I wake up and go do that again. That's, that's who I am. That's what I do. Sometimes we find our identity in, like, a failure that we had. And so we start to see ourselves through the lens of, I'm not good enough. I'm a screw-up. I've failed here and there. I've done these things. So that begins to shape our identity. Maybe someone told us that we weren't good enough. Sometimes we find our identity in the mirror, and that's not a healthy place to do that, by the way. Uh, a few of you in the room might look in the mirror and be like, there's a good-looking, handsome stud right there. Uh, like, that might happen. Get over yourself. But the majority of things that happen, the problem that happens with the mirror thing is you're like, you know who I am? I'm, I'm fat. I'm ugly. I'm unlovable, right? And we, so we begin to find our identity in all these places. And I just got to tell you, all of those places, honestly, are unhealthy. And that's not where God wants us to find our identity. What happens is we end up getting trapped inside a bubble of false reality. Exactly like what we see happening in the Truman Show, except the people around us aren't actors. Well, that's debatable. But we're all walking around trying to figure out who the heck am I? The struggle is real. And see, here's the thing. God, and through this long verse and so many other places in the Bible, God speaks into that. He says, I'll tell you who you are. You're my precious possession. You're my creation, and I love you, even in your failure, even in your ugly fatness. <laughs> I love you. I've got good things for you. That's, that's what God has for us, but the struggle is still, still real, and, and like Truman, we become trapped in this world where our true identity is stolen, and we have to fight to take it back. And those lies we've been believing, they begin to drown out the truth of what God has to say for us. And so what I want to do today is something that you can do all the time at home. 
The Bible is good for a lot of really great things. It's, we, we read the Bible kind of academically sometimes. You can read it kind of like a history book. You can read it for a moral code, Aesop's fable style. But this is one thing that is really valuable for the Bible. We can actually press play on God's word, and we can listen to it, and we can hear what God has to teach us about himself and, and often about ourselves. So what I want to do this morning is I want to press play on God's word. And I want you to know that this passage that we just read that Paul wrote to the Ephesians is real for you and, can, and should begin to shape how we see ourselves and how we identify uh, and find identity. Um, so what I'm going to do is this, this long passage, 14 verses. I want to pull out what I think are three really great concepts about who are you according to God. Here's the first one. The first one is this. You are wanted by God. One of the deepest desires is to be wanted. This is why um, so early in life we try so hard to fit in, to impress people. It's why gangs, it's how gangs recruit new members, especially kids. No one loves you at home. We'll love you over here a different way. And in this quest for being wanted, sometimes we're willing to settle for something that's not quite, you know, sincere, but it makes us feel like we belong Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. This is back at the verse we just read. We're just going to break down a few of these. It says this, and we actually touched on this last week a little bit. For he chose us in him before creation to be holy and blameless. Like God, before he even knew us, he's like, I got a plan for you. And I love this, these two words right before verse 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption. Depending on, if, if you grew up in church at all, the word predestined might be like loaded with all kinds of stuff. Don't get tied up in all that, okay? Let's just focus on what the word is saying specifically. In love, he predestined us for adoption. There's this concept that God wants us. We're not cast away. We're not pushed. Have you ever been somewhere you're not wanted? That's not where God is. And a lot of times we feel like, and I've heard this said so many times and I've felt this way, I'm just not good enough for God. I could never live up to what, and God's like, I, I want you. I want you just the way you are. I don't want you to stay the way in your brokenness that you are, but I want you that way because I want to show you that only through me can you find wholeness. I want you. I want you in my family. Those words there, chosen, adopted. This is the choice God makes every one of us. He says, I want you. There's a scene in the Truman movie uh, where Truman's pouring out his heart to his best friend, uh, Marlon is his name. Uh, of course, the guy's an actor, not really his best friend, but he's like pouring out his heart. He's like scared because he feels like stuff's weird. You saw some of it in the trailer. And Marlon gets all teary-eyed and he looks at Truman and he says, Truman, the last thing I would ever do is lie to you. But those were just words. Because guess what? His entire friendship with Truman was a lie. And that's why I love that it says that in love, God chooses us and wants us. Love is an action. It's not just words. What kind of action? Well, I could show you a lot. Hopefully you've heard of them. If you haven't, listened to this little short one. Romans 5.8 says this. God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He knew about your bumps and bruises and scrapes and ugliness and fatness and failure. He knew about all that and didn't care. And while we were still disobeying him, before we were even born, he said, I love you enough to take action. That's who you are. That's your identity. 
Who are you? You're wanted by God. What's the second one? Who are you? Um, the second message is played out in this passage, and, and uh, I just give it to you. The first one is you are wanted by God. The second one is you are redeemed through Jesus. Now, I want to kind of draw a line here. Um, this second one and third one, they, they are written and apply specifically to people who have chosen Jesus and are Christians and have you know, given their life to him. Everyone falls into the first category. God wants you and in love has gone to great lengths to show that to you. The second two are ones that like, once you decide, I'm going to be all in on God, I'm going to give my life to Jesus, I'm going to live for him the best way that I can, I'm going to accept his grace and his love, these other two are for you. I want to tell you this, if you're here today and you're like, I don't know if I would identify myself as a Christian, well, these you can have too. They're available to you. They're not like exclusive and you, you can't have them. They're, they're free. But this second one, you are redeemed. This is huge. Redemption isn't a word that we use much, uh, but it's huge when it comes to our old identity. This is a great word, to be redeemed. Um, let's look at the verse first in, in verse eight, or sorry, seven and eight. It says, in him, this is Christ again, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us with all wisdom and understanding. I love that, wisdom and understanding. God knows what's up. He knows who you are. He's not doing this blind. It says we've been given redemption. So when you hear the word redemption, in case you don't know that word or forgotten what it means, it basically, I want you to think this. I want you to think payment, like to redeem a coupon. To redeem something means like something has been paid for. It's been redeemed. It's been paid off. Jesus's offer is to pay off a debt for us. And the debt that we all have is the debt of sin. Like God created the world to function in a certain, certain order, and we disobey that order, and that sin... And God says, it's a, I got a plan to pay that sin off, okay? So you can be back in my presence. That's, re, that's redemption. That debt that Paul's talking about is sin. And so, so much of our identity, I don't know if we realize it, is tied up in our sin. It really is. Like, if you've got a lack of self-control, a lot of the things you struggle with that you're like, this is who I am, I mean, it's, that idea, it's tied up in some of your sin. Maybe you're an addict and you see yourself that way. Or you're a former addict, but you still see the shadow of who you used to be. Or maybe your wife or your husband just doesn't look at you the same since they found out. It shapes your identity, some sin part of your life. Maybe you've got a temper problem. Maybe you've had a failed marriage or other failed relationships because of sin. Maybe you've hurt people. Like when we decide to give our life to Jesus, Jesus says, I know about all that. I'm going to pay it off. I'm going to take care of it. You're good to go. You can be redeemed. It can be paid off through my blood. Um, have you ever paid off a big debt? You ever paid off a car? Most of us hadn't. Like, I'm just going to get another loan and roll the old loan into the other loan. It's only $25 more a month. <laughs> and then your grandkids are like, thanks, Grandma. Um, but, you know, like this, but have you ever paid off a big debt? It's huge. Maybe you need to sign up for Financial Peace University. Uh, it's a class that we're offering this fall. Aaron Collins is teaching it. And honestly, it, it, it teaches people to get out of debt through God-honoring principles. Great. You can sign up in the lobby, for real. That was a commercial. Um, but I've paid off, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, we paid off my student loans. And my wife took a picture of the little like, paper they sent me, like, you don't owe us any money. Uh, they haven't sent us anything else since then. Not like, how's things going? We miss you. No, it's like, nothing else. But she sent me this text. We were like, woo! We went out to eat, because let's spend money. We paid it off. Um, but we're celebrating. Like, when you, when you get a debt paid off, you celebrate. And God offers us this option of paying off the debt of sin that separates us from him. What is your identity if not the opportunity to be reconnected with God? Oh my goodness. 
That's worth celebrating. That's worth throwing a party. That's why uh, in two weeks, we're having a party to celebrate our fifth birthday as a church. And we're going to go over, it's going to be on the announcement video of the details. But man, we're gonna, because God has been redeeming people and we want to celebrate that. Marriages have been restored. Families have been brought back to life. And people are coming together and getting into God's word and understanding what he wants from us and how we can serve him. Who are you? You are wanted. You are redeemed through Jesus. And this third one is this. Who are you? You can have confidence. You can have confidence. The form isn't the same of the three things, but it really rings true as you read the passage. Let's skip ahead to verse 13. He says, you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You can be confident. This thing about confidence is interesting. A lot of people go through life going, I think I'm good with God. Let me check my church attendance chart. I got three gold stars. Ooh, that's probably not going to be enough. We're going to, we're going to church this weekend, honey. Uh, it's Christmas. Like that's literally how... We feel like we need to respond to God. God says, no, if you've been redeemed by me, you can live in confidence. Security, confidence is a big deal these days. Like everything's gotta be super secure. I am running out of passwords and I forgot them all. And you can tell me that there's an app that stores them all. I can't remember the password to the app. So I'm just locked out. And they told me I can't write it all down, stick it in my sock drawer because apparently someone's digging in my socks looking for my passwords. Like security is a big deal. We really care about security. But you know what God gives us? The ultimate security. God says, you want spiritual security? Okay, here's what I'll do. When you come to me, I'm going to give you a gift. Did you see what he said? He gives us as a deposit. His Holy Spirit. God's going to give us a deposit. And a deposit is exactly what it sounds like. Like when you, you get to rent an apartment, and they're like, yeah, if you're going to stay here, we're going to need you to pay a month's, a month's rent up front. And it's just like a promise. I'm going to take care of the place, and when it's all over, it's going to be in good shape. You're going to give me my money back. That's the goal right? God says, I'm going to give you a deposit. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, God's credit is great. Okay, you can trust that. If you don't know much about the Holy Spirit, uh, man, we spent the whole summer talking about the Holy Spirit. It was fun. We did a series called Walk the Walk, where we went through the fruit of the Spirit. It's on our podcast, but I totally recommend you go check out the one that's called Who is the Holy Spirit? Because I think it may be one of the most pivotal teachings that we've ever done at this church, to understand that God comes alongside us. This is what the Holy Spirit is. This is like a very, very short, short, nutshell version of the Holy Spirit. God's very presence coming to walk and live alongside us. Can you imagine how helpful that would be? God gives us the, the, the guidance, the help to make good choices. Uh, it actually teaches us that he can help us understand scripture. And there's on and on and on. There's so many things we talked about in that sermon. So I already preached that one. So go back and listen to it. It's really good. But we got to understand God comes in and he says, listen, I'm going to give you a deposit. I want you to know we're good. When you come to me, you're redeemed by my blood. You decide you want to walk in life with me. I'm going to walk side by side with you so you can get through this. Because living in your identity is, is hard. Because we got things coming at us left and right telling us who you are and what you should look like and how you should feel and every commercial telling you what your, your, your hair should feel like and what your, your house insurance, mortgage insurance should be and like on and on and on. It's like all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. It's just bombarding our brains and God says, stop. I'll tell you who you are. You're wanted by me. I'm going to give you a chance to be good with me. I'm going to redeem you. And it's a promise that keeps. And from there, you can live out 
your purpose in this world. This is the presence of God in our daily life. The Truman Show is just a movie, right? Um, so, but there is something that we all have in common with what Truman had going on. As we wrap up, I want to kind of give you a thought. I kind of gave you a who are you. This is just like, that was just a, a surface level thing. We can get so much deeper into our identity in God. And as you continue in your journey of that faith, you can find more and more and more about specific purpose and things like that. But we have something in common with Truman. Jesus, it's one of my favorite passages. I quote it all the time. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You want, you, know, you want to know one thing we have in common with Truman is this. People are watching you. Truman was on TV and he didn't realize it. But you know it. Parents, kids are watching you. Coworkers, your coworkers are watching you. Employers, your employees are watching you. Neighbors, your neighbors are watching you. Teachers, your students are watching you. Jesus says, let people see your good deeds so that they can see that but give glory to God. I love the thing that the apostle Paul says to one of his uh, disciples, a young pastor named Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.15, kind of phrases it a different way. He says to Timothy, look, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Doctrine is the, 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 the set of teachings that you believe about the Bible, about God. It's like this is your doctrine and things that you teach other people. Watch your life and the things that you teach about God and, and life. Watch them closely. Persevere in them because if you do, listen to this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. People are watching you. And as Truman realizes the truth, it sweeps the world, okay? And so there's millions of people, and his show gets even more popular because they start to see, because everything's live. As he's figuring out, like, oh my goodness, I think life is not what I thought it was. People are watching him, so there's these campaigns like free Truman, and people are like, like uh, picketing outside the studio, and like people want to get Truman out of there, and, and they're watching him. And I love that thing that Timothy says to Paul. People are seeing your progress, and as Truman got closer and closer and closer to realizing the truth of this weird world he lived in, the people were cheering him on. If you're new to Jesus, I want you to know something. There are millions of Christians around the world, dozens in this room right here, who are cheering you on. We see your progress, and we're pumped. You're doing good. Hang in there. I know it's hard. I know you got questions. Our goal is not to have all the answers. Our goal is to have faith and, and to live by faith and to walk by faith and to, and to find that in Jesus. That's the identity piece. But we see your progress and we're cheering you on. And what we want you to do is to be freed, <laughs> to, to get out of the identity that you believed about yourself. Uh, you might be here this morning and you're like, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't claim Christianity. Seems like a lot going on. Here's the thing. I want you to know this whole thing about identity is, is why life is such a struggle. And in your most quiet moments, and you're sitting there going, what do I even? Ugh. I mean, when we begin to find our identity in who Jesus makes us, and you can accept that thing of being wanted, and you can find yourself through this path and being redeemed, and then finding this, this gift of God's spirit in our life to help guide us, I mean, suddenly things change for you. I want you to know, like, we're not a church that's going to come to your house and beat you over the head with a Bible, but you are totally welcome to come back next week 
every week, over and over and over again until you start to have some of your questions answered and you can build some friendships and maybe you got some serious questions and you're like, look, okay, explain this to me. And you can work through it together with somebody else. This church is family. It's not meant to be a corporation. It's not meant to be a place where, like Walmart, where you go down the aisles and you choose, okay, what questions do I have? Oh, this, this church answers that question. It's like, it's not a consumer thing. It's family. We do it together. Maybe you're old hat Christian. You've been doing it for a really long time. I want to tell you something. People are watching you. There's a world watching us, and they're asking this question. Is it real? Is it worth it? Why should I? What should I? How should I? They're watching. And you've got an opportunity, just like Jesus said and just like Timothy heard from Paul, that as people see your progress and they see the good light of Jesus shining through your life, that they can give glory to God. And in the process, you may save yourself and your hearers. It's beautiful. When we step into this identity thing with God, this is a really neat thing as we close. Your identity affects your activity. It should. What you believe about yourself should affect how you act in this world. You got children, you play a major role in shaping your kids' lives. And, and you know, there's a lot of good things you could put into them that you need to make good grades, you need to be your best, you need to do all this. Don't be a bully. Those are all really great things. Get off the screen sometimes. Those are good things. But you know what? You have failed them as parents if you have not let them know. You are wanted by God. You are precious to him. First and foremost, you're a child of God. I don't care what your fashion is or what your body type is. I don't care what your grades are. God loves you. And I'm not a perfect parent, but I'm doing my best to show you that God loves you. And then as a parent, we've got to do our best to lead them to that redeemed thing and let God come into their life. Like, if you are not doing that, listen, you can tell me I'm judging you. That's not my goal. I'm a dad and I fail at it all the time. My, my thought, my, my plea to you parents is let your children know that the number one priority in their life is to know that they're a child of God and that their purpose is to serve him. What are you doing when you're at work? People are watching You've got an opportunity to let people know, hey, there's a plan. There's a way. This is how I find my identity. Let me help you with that. And you know the easiest way to do that, the best way to do it? Just tell them your story. You don't have to preach them a sermon. They don't want that. They will walk away or fall asleep. But just say, look, this is what's been going on in my marriage. And when we pointed at God, this is where it goes. And this is what's going on in my life. And when I pointed at God, this is where it goes. It's called testimony, and it's powerful. It's the most powerful tool you have outside of God's Holy Spirit in your life. So many different ways that we can say our identity affects our activity. But if we just sit here and we're just hearers of the word and we're not doers of the word, just stop. It's not, it's, it's not living out that identity. And there's a moment in the movie where Truman finally breaks three. And there's this freedom. And there's these hands raised. And what's really cool is as that moment happens... You're kind of like, yeah, but if you play it forward, you're like, wow, Truman's got a lot of work left to do now. He's got to kind of reclaim his identity and figure this out. Guess what? God doesn't just leave us hanging. He's with us always. That's why his spirit's near. That's why he's given us each other. If you're in Christ, that's our identity, right? Let's step into that identity. Let's live it out so that it becomes activity, so that the world can know that there is more to life than they ever knew was possible. I'd love to pray for you this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to step into uh, your truth. It is so tempting for us to try to 
um, generate truth from thin air, um, but you let us know that your word is truth. Jesus says he's the way and the truth and the life. Lord, I pray that we can use that as a, as a, um, a platform to stand on so we can find some foundation in our life. Father, thank you for our church family here this morning as, um, as we gather together just to be in that. Lord, I pray that if there's uh, anyone who's here this morning that is here for the first time or uh, maybe back after a break um, for college or whatever, that they can start making priority with their church family like a big deal. It can become how they set their schedule up each week, and it can become how they kind of determine their closest relationships, and that through each other, we can build each other up and shine your light into the darkness of this city and this world. I pray for those who are hurting, Lord, that you'll bring them healing, those who are broken, that you'll bring them wholeness. Thank you so much for waking us up and giving us the opportunity to know who we really are in you. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.